Oh, good morning, Evergreen. Things are looking a little less green with, uh, with winter coming, but it's still a pleasure to be here. And um, for those of you who don't know me or knew, my name's Pastor Stephen. And um, I want to say, coming from Alberta, it's usually not even close to the screen, so I'm very thankful. Because usually, the leaves are gone by late September. There is nothing left on the trees by mid-October, nothing at all. So it is a pleasure to have still some greenery around. This morning is an exciting morning. We have a bunch of people becoming members. Uh, as most of you know, we had seven, baptiz- seven baptisms last week. And I'm really grateful for that because me coming here as a new lead pastor and having a baby, and then just to see the health of the church is really um, something I'm grateful for because I've been in a lot of churches. I grew up in a pastor's home. I know that not all churches are healthy, and sometimes you have to walk through really difficult waters. And so I want to just thank the elders, deacons, Pastor Tamil, Pastor Keith, even though he's gone, just for all the excellent work you guys have done and for everyone here because you're part of the reason why this church is healthy. Um, so I was talking with Tamil, and we were talking about, you know, Membership Sunday coming up. And so I thought it was important that we spend just a bit of time talking about what does it mean to be in covenant membership here at Evergreen. Now, the first word I said here was covenant membership. And when often we think of membership, you know, we think of like, oh, you know, get a gym membership. You know, you go to the gym, you kind of pay your fee, you come in, you come out. Or maybe it's a library membership, you know, you kind of just get your books, and then, you know, you're kind of done for the day. Hopefully you're not part of any pyramid scheme memberships, but I mean, there's, there's lots of different kinds of memberships that are out there. But covenant membership is meant to be something much deeper than just a library pass or a gym membership. And I think of the word covenant, I think probably the best modern word we have I think our idea of what we'd have would be like a family bond. Uh, Growing up, I'm thinking, I I had a best friend, I'm not sure about you, maybe you had a friend that you were closer with. And I remember it was around the age seven or eight, I met my best friend, Tim Guido. And we met at church. I remember going to church, my dad was a new pastor at this church, it was around age seven or eight. And um, I go to this church and I meet this young kid, we're both about the same age, and we kind of just, we hit it off right away. And for those of you who know pastor's kids, sometimes this can be a very dangerous thing because pastor's kids tend to be very rebellious. Not always, but the kind of is what can happen. Uh, Thankfully, I was the one who kept in line and he was the crazy child. So we kind of, you know, bounced off of each other a bit. Um, But quickly, we began to become very close. We had similar interests. We go biking together. We play video games together. We throw footballs together. We do lots of sleepovers. I remember during the summer, I think during the summer once, I stayed over at their house for like two weeks straight just because our parents were close and we're just at the same church. And as time went on, though, something happened. It became more than just a friendship. His family, in many ways, became my family. I remember his dad was very much like a second dad to me. His brothers, Jamie and Josh, became like brothers to me. And it was through this friendship with time, it became just a much deeper bond than a normal friendship. And those bonds sometimes can be tested or even tried. And I remember one time in my life, I was going through such a a dark time. I wasn't in Edmonton, and I was really struggling. And I remember phoning Tim, and I just said, Tim, like, I'm just really broken right now, and I just explained the situation. And I remember he said, whatever you need. He's like, I'll fly you out of there, whatever. Don't worry about finances. And I remember just how much he had my back, and he demonstrated what a deep bond had been formed 
because of time and just commitment. And I think in some ways when we talk about covenant membership at Evergreen, that's what we hope for. We hope it's this bond that's close, this bond that says we've got each other's back. We're here with one another. Tamil had mentioned last week that there's no real way to live a life of faithfulness alone. We are made to be in deep community with one another, an intentional relationship. This is a reflection that we are made in God's image. God has been in a relationship from time beginning. He's a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And relationship is part of who we are. We can't thrive unless we're in deep, honest, real relationship. I'm not sure about you, but when you've hired something from a friend or from a spouse, you can feel that the relationship is not what it should be. It takes a deep relationship, and that's what we hope covenant relationship, being a member here, is all about. Now, this idea of covenant is all throughout Scripture. God forms a covenant with Adam. God forms a covenant with Noah. He forms covenant with Moses, with Israel, with David. And you see this idea of covenant all throughout And I think it speaks to this reality that God desires relationship with us. And he desires this because this is part of the ways that we change. It's through our relationships that often we change. And in the ancient world, covenants were a way of life. Usually what would happen in a covenant ceremony, two people or two parties would come together. They'd make oaths, they'd make promises. And then they would also have curses if they broke the covenant. Don't worry, there's no curses for covenant membership here at Evergreen. Elders are not going to hunt you down if you leave the church or uh, if something happens. But curses were also part of what covenants were. And if you broke covenant, then kind of the, the curses would be there. And we see that in the Old Testament law where Yahweh talks about, I will spit you out of the land. Or like when you fall away from me, uh, you'll be, be kind of taken off into other lands. And today we don't really have covenant language in the way that we talk, even the way that we form bonds. Today often we have contracts instead of covenants. And I think there's a huge difference between a contract. Usually when you sign a contract, it's very much, if I do this, you do that, I get this out of the deal. And it's often about me, or it's often about the party wanting to get the better contract. But instead covenant says, we're coming together, and it's not a me versus you thing, it's a let's do this together. It's saying, I am yours, you are mine. So with the idea of covenant in mind, I want to spend the rest of this shorter sermon in Acts. We're actually just going to be continuing on in Acts 2.42. So if you've got your phone or Bible, feel free to turn there. And we're just going to be kind of continuing on where we left off uh, actually from last week. So this is Acts 42.47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as they had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Now, I want to point out the word covenant is not in this passage. But I think this shows exactly what covenant life is all about. Here in Acts 2, this is after the outpouring of the Spirit. The Spirit comes and is poured out and people are experiencing his power. They're being saved. They're being baptized. 
And then here, this is kind of this new life that forms out of the movement of the Spirit. And I think this is what covenant life looks like. Acts 2.44 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I think this is really important. Now, I want to pause here. Is there anything that your family is known for? I know sometimes like families and communities can be known for things. You know, you can have the sports family or you can have the one house where like the lawn is like perfect, looks like a golf green and you know, the person is meticulous and there's no weeds or maybe you come from the opposite side. You're the neighbor that has a hundred weeds in their yard and they just let them grow and then they blow everywhere. You know, <laughs> that makes people really frustrated. Or maybe you're the family at Christmas time, you go all out, you carol, you light up your whole house. I mean, you're like, you're drawing power from like basically a whole power plant just to get your house going. But uh, you know, like we have these kind of things that families can be known for. And as you all know, I'm very tall and my family, everyone's really tall. So when we go to church on Sunday, the kind of the joke was don't stand behind the sessings because you got me and my brother, six foot eight, and my sister and mom, six foot one, and my dad, six foot four. And so if we're all together, then if you're behind us, you're not gonna be able to see what's uh, on the lyrics for the worship song. So, you know, this is kind of a, a thing that we're known for, just being really tall. And I think Luke here, though, is saying this is what the church is supposed to be known for. This is what the early church was known for. This is what characterized them. This is what defined them. It was their dedication to the apostles' teaching. And this is actually something that's very close to my heart. This is something that I would say is an Anabaptist value. And I know there are some people that are new here to Evergreen. Maybe you've only been here a year or two. And uh, you've probably heard me say this word Anabaptist. um, Or maybe Tamil say this word Anabaptist. And Anabaptism has like a lot of values that are very similar, but there are some areas that we really focus on are really important to us. And one of those things, core of Anabaptism, is being Jesus-centered people. That means that we go to the Gospels and we look at the life of Jesus and we seek to know Jesus, we seek to emulate Jesus. And hopefully in the new year, me and Tamil are going to talk a little more about that as we go through one of the Gospels. Um, But suffice to say, Anabaptism has a strong focus and understanding that the Gospels need to be primary in our faith. This means that we need to look like Jesus. We need to talk like Jesus, think like Jesus. It's not just about a mental assent to doctrines. Often in the West, it's often been, do you believe this, this, and this, instead of asking, are we actually living like Jesus? It's easy to say, I believe in something. It's another thing to live it. And Luke is saying they're dedicated to the teachings of Jesus. And these were early teachings about Jesus. These were, could have been the gospel possibly at this time, but most likely not. But these would have been their stories where they talked about Jesus, what he did, what he taught. And I think if we're to rightly understand scripture, we have to saturate ourselves in Jesus. We have to saturate ourselves in the gospels. It's through Jesus is the clearest manifestation of the Father. And it's through him that we understand Paul, we understand John, we understand the Old Testament. As Anabaptists, as members of Evergreen, part of that central piece is that we're Jesus-centered people, that we look like Jesus, talk like Jesus. Second, we are in covenant and we're called to be in fellowship. Acts 2.42 says, they're to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. This is what they're committed to. And then it goes on verse 44 to 46. Now all the believers are together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. Here we see this closeness of fellowship. 
These people that just became Christians, literally probably hours ago or weeks ago, now are becoming family. They shared meals together. In the ancient world, to share a meal together was a very sacred thing because you would only usually have meals with people either in your same class or in your family. And here kind of everyone is coming to the meals together, rich and poor, slave and free. And so they're coming as equals. They're coming as family. Also, you see the sacrificial love of giving to one another. It says when someone was in need, people would provide for one another. And I think it's, you know, we don't struggle with this as much today because there's not as much poverty. But in the ancient world of Rome, often they would call what about 15% of the population as expendables. These were widows without families. These were orphans. These were beggars. And basically the people saw these as unimportant, that they could just die. They didn't, they didn't care about them. But that's not what the church did. The church brought these people together. They created family and they ate together. This is part of what it means to be in covenant membership, that we're in relationship with one another, that we care, that we sacrifice for one another. We have each other's back. And finally, we in covenant membership are called to be people of prayer. The first verse here ends kind of, uh, Acts 42 mentions that they devoted themselves to prayer. And I think this is another central piece of what it means to be in covenant membership, that we pray for one another. In the book of Acts, you actually see this theme developed of a prayer being very central to the early church. And I think that's really important. As a community, we are called to prayer. I think things like the practice, other events are so important that prayer becomes a marker of who we are. And it's not only though meant to be a marker as a church, but as individuals, Think of the life of Jesus. How often in the Gospels does he go away to pray? And so we're called to individual and corporate prayer. And I want to say, I am not great at this. In my younger years, I definitely spent a lot of time in prayer. But as time has gone on, oftentimes I don't take the time to intentionally pray. And I think it's important as a church that this is an area that we have room to grow in. Lots of the Western church often struggles with prayer. I think this is part of what it means to be covenant members, that we hold each other in prayer. We listen to each other's needs. We're willing to challenge one another. This is something that we are called to. We in the church, we've chosen to enter into covenant with Christ, and we've chosen to enter into covenant with one another. And this is a sacred thing, a thing where we sacrifice for one another, we pray for one another, we share with one another, and we learn to live in the life of Jesus one another.